Well, good morning. Welcome again. And if you've heard welcome a few times this morning, uh, it's because we are going through a series on welcoming. We are looking at New Testament metaphors for the church, how scripture defines the church. And so far we've seen that we are the household, the temple, the light, the field. And today uh, we get to look at that we are the sheep. Let me introduce myself a little bit first. My name is Charles Sixera. I'm a pastoral intern here at Third Church. I grew up uh, in the heart of New England, just south of Boston. Some of my fondest childhood memories are playing outside on a snow day. Now, this is a real snow day, one with snow and white, cold, the whole deal. Uh, So... During one of these snow days, when I was about three, my brother and I were playing on top of a playset that my dad had built. And I think I just hit my brother with a snowball, like little brothers do, uh, and he decided to get back at me, but not with a snowball. Uh, He decided to take off all of my snow gear, and he threw it down to the ground about six feet below. After that, uh, he went off laughing, he played for a little bit, and then went inside. And the problem with that is I was too young, too small, too cold to get down. I was a three-year-old alone caught in a snowstorm. And what I can remember was looking down as snow fell on my legs and feeling utterly abandoned. My brother had left me. I couldn't climb down, and I can remember just sitting on top of the playset, hoping, watching, waiting for someone to come and get me. And after what felt like a lifetime, but was really just a couple minutes, uh, I saw my mom burst out of the back door, Uh, coming out in her sandals, and uh, she came to me, she wrapped me up, she brought me inside, she threw me in a warm bath. But what I will remember about that day was being on the playset, feeling abandoned, fearing that I had been. And I'm not the only one who fears this. Uh, According to Psychology Today, an article that just came out, Psychologists actually have come to a consensus that we all fear abandonment in some way, shape, or form. It's a common human experience in every culture, in every age. We all fear abandonment. But maybe you need some convincing. Uh, Who of you uh, this morning has ever hung out with a toddler? Show of hands, a few of you, most of you, at some point. So... Watch the toddler when their mom or dad leaves the room. And they're not expecting it. And they look and they don't see their mom or dad. Now, if you're like our two boys, uh, they're going to go crazy. They haven't built up a sense that they don't need to fear being abandoned. This is how it goes in our house. My son is Isaac. He's two. He still does this sometimes. This is the common story every morning. 
My wife is getting ready to go to work. Mama, you come back. Yes, Isaac, I'm coming back. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm heading to work. I'll come back. Okay, Mama, come back. And so a, a toddler's fear uh, can be very understandable, but how do we fear abandonment? Do we fear abandonment? Well, it's, it's not that difficult to look for. We fear being left off a guest list at, for a party. We fear losing our spouse after decades of marriage. We fear walking through a crowd unnoticed. We fear not making friends at school. We fear not having a hand to hold as we fight cancer. We fear being nameless, even at church. We all fear being abandoned, going through life alone, unnoticed, rejected. But how do we remedy these fears? What do we do with these fears? Well, the Bible's way of acknowledging our fear of abandonment is by God's gracious call to us that we are his sheep. Psalm 100 verse 3 reads, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. God calls his people his sheep. Why? Because sheep can't afford to be abandoned. They are completely defenseless without their shepherd. And good shepherds never abandon their sheep. They knew them by name. They counted them late into the night meticulously. They defended them from beasts. They tended to their wounds. They led them into green pastures. They carried them. They bound up their wounds. And if one did go astray, they found them. A good shepherd never abandoned their sheep. And so that is why the church is called a flock of sheep. Because God's faithful covenant love for us is best described as a shepherd for his sheep. And just as God would never abandon his people, a shepherd would never abandon his sheep. And this morning, we'll look at the church as God's sheep. We'll see that God's sheep are on one hand never abandoned. And then on the other hand, we'll see that they are called to be never abandoning. First, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for having us. Thank you for being here. Give me joy and peace as I give your good news, as I proclaim it. Give your people joy and peace as they receive it. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. From Luke 15, 1 through 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country? And go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. 
I tell you that in the same way there will be rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. This is the word of the Lord. So let's look at the first claim. God's sheep are never abandoned. In order to do that, we have to examine whether we can find our shepherd trustworthy. So we have to rewind a little bit. Luke 14 has been a long critique of the Pharisees, these Jewish religious leaders of Jesus' day. It all started when they had him over for dinner and something unexpected happened. A man stumbles into the room and he's suffering horribly with dropsy. Jesus touched the man and heals him, sends him on his way. But the religious leaders, they stand at a distance, watching, silent, unmoved. And Jesus immediately criticizes them. How can you be unmoved? And he warns them that the banquet feast in heaven will look very different from the dinner they had planned that night. Jesus ends his criticism of the Pharisees with these words, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And then chapter 15 begins, and look who has heard the invitation and comes to listen to Jesus. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees And the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them? I could just hear them grumbling to one another. Sinners. Look at them. Prostitutes and swindlers, drunks and gluttons. This man's probably one of them. Can you believe him? And I can just imagine God in Christ seeing their hearts and thinking, don't you get it? Haven't you been listening? These men and women want to hear me. They've come to be beside me. Anyone who has ears, let them hear. They've come. Jesus responds like this. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? With this parable and the two following parables of the coin and the prodigal son, Jesus means to throw open the doors of heaven for his guests. He's saying, I'm a shepherd. Come, you who are weary and heavy burdened. Come, sinners, just as you are. I will have you. And the Pharisees couldn't do anything but sneer and scoff and grumble and seethe. To them, it was revolting. This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. 
And with this parable, Jesus is trying to explain, I'm like a shepherd, Pharisees. Do you see this? These people, they were my lost sheep. You might not have known them. You wouldn't give them the time of day. They've come to listen to me. I've come to bring them home. Can't you celebrate that with me? And Jesus uses this parable to distinguish himself as a good shepherd among bad shepherds. People who had abandoned his guests, these tax collectors and sinners. But what is a good shepherd? What does a good shepherd do? I want to provide three things. He knows his sheep, he pursues them, and he calls them. So let's look at how he knows his sheep. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. See, a good shepherd, like I've said before, they count meticulously. Sometimes twice a day, they count everyone one by one, and they know exactly who might be missing. And if they were missing, they cannot rest. They go out. They leave their sheep. Good shepherds count carefully. And they know when one is missing. And Jesus looks out onto his followers, his crowds, and he says, there's someone missing. I I know my followers, I know my flock, and there's someone missing. I have to go. So how does he pursue them? He says, doesn't the shepherd leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. A good shepherd doesn't go to sleep when a sheep has gone astray. Not even if one is missing. They leave the flock with another shepherd and they go out how far until he finds it. When I was eight, uh, my dog gave birth to a litter of nine puppies. This is every boy's dream, uh, to have a house of more than 10 dogs, and they were cute little balls of fur. And again, it was winter. I'm not trying to be dramatic. It's winter for about half of the year, Um, so bear with me. Uh, One day, we left the door open, and a few of the dogs we saw got out. And so what did we do? We counted them. We knew there had been nine, and there were seven. Two missing. And we knew each of them individually, so we looked and we saw which ones were missing, and so we went out. We called for them, we drove around town, we looked through the woods, in the snow, and it was getting dark, and finally we found them. See, leaving a defenseless puppy in the snow, lost, is a death sentence. Similarly, sheep depend on the restless pursuit of their shepherd. Jesus goes on that kind of pursuit for you and I. Do you know that? There's an old hymn that illustrates this kind of determination. Lord, you have here your 90 and 9. Are they not enough for you? But the shepherd made answer, this is mine who wandered away from me, and although the road is rough and steep, I go to the desert to find my sheep. 
Christ, our good shepherd, goes however far it takes for him to find us. He pursues us no matter how far we feel from him. And some of you today may feel far from him. It may be because of your circumstances. I don't know what all of you are going through. Some of you may have come in this room with a lot of baggage. Your hardships may be known, they might not be. But either way, you may feel as if God's not exactly pursuing you right now. You may feel very distant, far off. Or maybe some of you are feeling far off because of your own decisions. Maybe it's the decisions you've made, the sin in your life uh, that maybe is known, maybe is not, that gives you this reinforced feeling that God is becoming more distant and more distant, and maybe, just maybe, he has grown tired of you. We can feel very distant from God. But hear your shepherd, third church. A good shepherd calls for his sheep. John 10, 3-4, Jesus is describing himself as a shepherd once again. And he says, the good shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Shepherd, don't just wander silently around the wilderness, looking under bushes silently. They call out the names of their sheep. They call them each one, one by one, by their name. And like a family looking for puppies in the snow, Jesus goes after us. He knows his sheep, he pursues them, he calls for them, and they will recognize his voice. But how do you know? whether or not God is pursuing you. How do you know? How do you know you haven't wandered off too far? How do you know that God cares for you and is pursuing you in your hardship? How can you really be sure that God hasn't abandoned you? Well, you will know if God is pursuing you if you recognize his voice. We have... God's word for us it is written down, it is in front of you or below you in these pews. He is trying to call for you. And when you hear his voice, how does it sound to you? Does it sound distant, strange, unfamiliar, foreign? Like you would rather turn it off? Or is it comforting? Is it intriguing? Is it captivating? Does it, want, does it make you want to draw closer to him, spend more time with him? Pray, brothers and sisters, pray that God will allow you to recognize his voice. We're about to sing these words, and I believe they are very true for us today. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. He's calling for you and for me. Come home. Come home, you who are weary. Come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, O sinner, come home. 
And though we may occasionally fear as if we've been abandoned, we hear the voice of Jesus who knows us, pursues us, and calls for us. And we can be confident, Third Church, that we are never abandoned. So this morning we've been focusing on the fact that we are never abandoned, that we can be confident in that. And we've looked at all the work of our good shepherd, but then how do sheep respond? We don't really have high expectations when we think of a sheep. How should we act? We've seen that we are never abandoned, and now I will suggest that God calls us to be never abandoning. Christ shows us the incredible lengths that he will go to find us. He intends that we imitate him in going to incredible lengths to pursue one another, to call one another, to care for one another. Let's look at this in Peter's life. Now, Jesus, when he had been raised from the grave, it's a few days after he had died, and this is one of the more awkward moments in Scripture. Jesus goes to find Peter. Keep in mind, Peter had denied Jesus three times. He had abandoned Jesus. I have nothing to do with him. I don't know the man. And so Jesus asks him three times, do you, do you love me, Peter? And Peter says each time, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. And so each time Jesus responded, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. In other words, Peter, are, are you paying attention right now? Don't abandon the sheep. Don't abandon them like you abandoned me, Peter. Let them know, Peter, that they have a flock that they belong to, that they have a good shepherd over them who will be coming back. And so Peter is prepared to be a never-abandoning shepherd. And Christ does this for all of his followers. He prepares us that until he returns, we are to call, pursue, care, know one another. We are to be never-abandoning shepherds. But why? Well, let's look at what this looks like here at 3rd. Now, a rough estimate here, so forgive me if I'm off, uh, there are about 9,000 ways to get involved at 3rd. Give or take, one or two. Um, Some of you might feel like you are involved in about 8,000 of those. But it doesn't mean that when you go home at the end of the day that you will feel known, pursued, and called after. And I'm sure a lot of you this morning come in with some sort of baggage, a desire to feel known, to have someone pursue you, to go out of their way for you to call after you if they haven't seen you in a while. We want more than a passing by as we flood out these doors in the morning. We want more than a quick hello as we shake hands. We want more than just sitting in a pew anonymously. We want more than a place we can't share our hurts. We want a church where we will never feel abandoned. We are called, all of us, to express a never-abandoning care. 
for our brothers and sisters in this room right now. Knowing, pursuing, calling for them. But how? Well, in January, we will be launching our parish model. You heard a little bit of a a snapshot of it this morning. This parish model is designed so that we have a large flock. It will become smaller to us. We will have small groups of us in which we can be better known, better cared for, but also so that that care will extend into our communities and that our community would know the care of a shepherd. But until then, we can ask real questions of ourselves. Each of us can ask, who have we taken the time to get to know lately? Who have we really pursued? Who have we gone out of our way for when it was inconvenient? Who have we called to, written to, and reached out to? Third Church, we cannot afford to be anything but a never-abandoning people. The care of our shepherd cannot end with us. We cannot rest just knowing that we ourselves are never abandoned. We have to let that truth sink down into us to allow the call of our shepherd to come into us, to reverberate and spill out of us, echoing into the body. We must be never abandoning people. It is not an option. Today we looked at how the church, as sheep of God, have a great shepherd. We've seen that we can be confident that that shepherd goes and searches for us and that we are never abandoned. We've seen that we are called as sheep to become never abandoning shepherds, caring for fellow believers while we wait for him to return. And very simply, I want to provide a time to respond to this. I want to challenge you. If you identify this morning as the 99, secure in the fold, confident that you are well-loved, that you are never abandoned, will you pray, as, as the music plays in a minute, for God to supply someone for you in your prayers to reach out to, to, to pursue until you find them. Someone to get to know. Someone to show care for like a shepherd. And if you identify as the one this morning, and maybe this is the first time you've prayed, or maybe this is the first time you've prayed in a long time, and you feel far from God, will you pray to hear your shepherd's voice and that he will allow you to recognize it as charming and inviting and welcoming. To follow him. So now we'll have some music. Take that time to reflect and ask God to call you this morning. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you are good. I thank you for your invitation and your peace that you speak over us. I thank you for every person in this room this morning who can hear and recognize your voice. God, give us courage to pursue you this morning. 
as you've pursued us and to pursue one another. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.